So I was thinking about um, what our theme was going to be for um, these uh, three nights we're together um, doing this revival. And um, I thought about this parable in, um, in actually three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, about a mustard seed. And when I was reading it and thinking about it, I just... I, I was kind of taken back to when um, when my kids were um, uh, in in, um, in in about uh, third and second grade. Um, uh, Nora and Savannah were really went through this phase where they were really into life cycles. Um, I remember they learned about like the life cycle of the plant, um, but then they would draw all these pictures about other life cycles, like life cycles of kittens life cycles of superheroes it's just uh and, and they would just sort of tell the you know the phase that um that, that different people went through in their lifestyles and i was reading this parable about the mustard seed and when i was looking at it i i saw the lifestyle of uh the life cycle of the christian the three phases that we go through as christians in our lives and um, and I would I, I, and that's what we're going to look at for these um, these three days. So I'm reading from um, Luke the 13th chapter, verses 18 through 19. Don't worry about finding it. It's, it's a short little thing. By the time I, I say it, that you know, uh, you'll have found it. So um, hear now the word of our Lord. Then Jesus asked, "What is the kingdom of God like?" What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and birds perched in its branches. Now, over the uh, the course of these three nights, we're going to talk about this one parable. And I would submit that uh, that three nights couldn't quite cover what all um, is in this parable right here. Um, It is just a beautiful parable teaching by Jesus, but it tells us the the life cycle that we go through um, as Christians. First is a seed, which we're going to talk about tonight, and then we go through this this conversion thing where we we stop becoming a seed and somehow we become a tree, and that's part of the life cycle, and then we go through this thing where, um, where we continue to grow. And we mature and our branches become strong. And that's the third part of the life cycle. But tonight I want to talk to us about the seed. What it means that we are like a seed. So um, I got this great idea. I was going to talk about seeds and, um, and compare um, our, uh, our maturing as Christians, to the way um, a seed matures and grows in the ground. And, um, and I was so gung-ho about this idea, and then I realized something really, really important. I don't know anything about seeds <laughs> at all. Like, um, I, I know that they start out small, and at, and at some point they become a plant. But everything in between is, is just a mystery to me, and I frankly, didn't have time to, to get caught up on it. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know um, 
you know, how often you're supposed to water seeds, whether you just leave them out there and let the rain do its trick or whether you're supposed to come around and water it. And if so, how often? I don't know what those little bulb things are for. The people uh, that people bury in the ground with their seeds, do those grow into something? Do they feed the seed or something? I don't know. I know there's something called a germ. I don't know what it's for. I don't know what it's about. I don't know anything about seeds. The last garden I was in was Olive Garden. <laughs> I know they have great breadsticks. But, but that's not going to be helpful tonight, right? So, thank you, son. Um, so, uh, so, I realized, I realized, you know, really shortly into planning this message that, uh, that if I came and tried to talk to you all about seeds, um, I was just going to fall flat on my face. So I started thinking, what do I know about this like small and it has a shell and, um, and it has a big impact and I, suddenly I knew something I'm an expert in, M&M's. Right? Um, I know all kinds of things about M&M's. I love M&M's. Our house, we love M&M's at our house. My wife got me this beautiful thing for Christmas. It's, uh, it, it's this, this little candy globe. You, you unscrew the top and, and you can dump about $20 worth of M&M's in here. And you can set it on the counter and at the end of the day they'll all be gone. Right? Because everyone that passes by it just And it takes, it takes 24 hours for these M&Ms to disappear. We love M&Ms. Who in here loves M&Ms? Awesome. Amazing. All right. So I want to tell you a story that has to do with M&Ms. And it's a story about me. And I want you to imagine me five years old. I'm five years old and my brother um, is three. And my dad was a pastor at a church just like this. In fact, every time I, I walk into this church, I think about that church my dad was a pastor at, his first church. And I can remember us um, just, uh, just having the run of this place during the day well, when he was in his, in his office um, uh, working on his sermon or doing whatever it is that pastors do during the week. And, um, and he would bring us with him, and we would just sort of have the run of the place. And we'd play hide-and-seek, and, um, and we'd dive under the pews. And, um, and it, it, was just, uh, it was just an amazing thing for us to have this building all to ourselves. One day, my brother Scotty and I were playing hide-and-seek in the church, and we went into one of the Sunday school rooms downstairs and we were sort of rooting around in there and we found a cardboard briefcase. And in the cardboard briefcase was nothing but king-sized bags of M&Ms. <laughs> now, I knew, I knew who these M&Ms belonged to. They belong to this little old lady named Mrs. Wangiga. And Mrs. Wangiga kept this cardboard box of M&Ms and she would sell it. She would sell the M&Ms and then she would put the money in the offering plate each week. 
These were her M&Ms, and this was how she supported the church. It's important that I knew that. Because when I saw these M&Ms just sitting there, ripe for the taking, I had to have them. I like, I had to have them. Now, when, um, when you've got like a, a little brother, um, it's important. Does anyone have a little brother or little sister in here? All right. It's important, all right, to share the blame, all right? You've got to get them complicit in what you're doing so that when the punishment comes later, it's sort of mega out between you all instead of focused on one person, okay? So um, my brother was at that phase where, like, everything I asked him to do, he was just like, okay, right? And you know how, like, three-year-old brothers are? You're like, hey, uh, why don't you, uh, you, you go sit in the dryer and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll press the button? And they're like, okay, right? <laughs> so um, he, was just kind of, he was just kind of in that phase. And so I found these M&Ms who were playing hide-and-seek, and I called, Scotty, Scotty, come here. He goes, okay. <laughs> I said, look, Scotty, at these M&Ms. We should eat them. And he's like, Okay. So we ate the M&M's, me knowing full well that these M&M's didn't belong to me, that they belonged to Mrs. Juanita, and that she sold them to raise money for the church. We ate these M&M's. We went to town on these M&M's. We were scarfing them down. And Dad shows up. And he's mad. All right? That's bad, right, when Dad shows up? Yes. What's worse is later when mom finds out. Okay? Now, my mother, my mother um, is a Protestant, but she was the principal of a Catholic school. And she knows how to lay on the guilt. And um, when my mother found out that we ate these M&Ms, she was upset. She was livid. And she gave us the guilt trip. She said, you stole these M&Ms from the Lord's house. That means you stole these M&Ms from God. You broke one of the Ten Commandments. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Tomorrow, I'm going to drive you to Miss Juanita's house. And you are going to tell Miss Juanita what you did. And tonight, you better pray that she doesn't press charges. <laughs> you better pray that she lets you work off your debt and do chores for her to pay back those M&Ms. Otherwise, my, my mom had this, this, this saying that she would always say to us, even when I was growing up. It, it, it's, it, it's kind of complicated, but I think you'll, you'll know what it means. You are the person who does the things you do. The first time you hear that, you're like, what? You are the person who does the things you do? But here's what it means. If you steal something, you're a stealer. You're a thief. If you lie, you're a dishonest person. It doesn't matter how you feel deep down inside. You are the person who does the things you do. I still hear that voice in the back of my head like, like all the time. It's a thing that my mother would say. So she gave us this speech. 
you are going to go to Mrs. Juaniga's house tomorrow and you are going to make this right and you better pray that she is going to forgive you. So why am I talking to you about M&Ms? Because that day in the church was the day that I learned about sin. I mean, I heard about it in Sunday school, but that day was the day that I learned that I was a sinner. That I was incapable of doing the good things I know I should do, and that I, that I was that, that I was incapable of not doing the bad things that I know I shouldn't do. That that somewhere between me and the person that I'm supposed to be, there is this wall, and I can't seem to cross it. That was the day that I first saw that. Can you think of the t- first time? you realized you were a sinner? For a lot of us, it doesn't take very long, does it? For a lot of us, we are hip to that from the get-go, that we're sinners. In the seventh chapter of Romans, Paul uh, describes it like this. I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin, I do not understand what I do, but what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing." And all that (laughs) doo-doo is one point. I can't control myself. I can't control myself. I can't be the person that I know I am called to be. This week we're talking about growing in Christ. We're talking about becoming who we're called to be. And we can't even have that conversation until we admit something. We can't do it on our own. There is no amount of of, of gritting our teeth and, and, and pushing the rock uphill that will get us there. We cannot be the people we know we're called to be on our own. We fall flat on our face every time. We see the M&Ms. We know they're not ours. And we grab them anyway. That's sin. Does everyone get that, or do I need to explain it a little more? Right? So, I did not sleep at all that night. As you can imagine, I was just little uh, five-year-old me, just worked up. Now, I'm sure Mrs. Juanita was like in her 50s, and I'm sure she was a lovely woman. But five-year-old me, she was like, like uh, that, that old lady hag from Snow White, right? <laughs> with like white hair and, and, and the nose with the warts. And, and I was just afraid of her. And I was afraid of, 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 of what she was going to say when I knocked on that door and told her what I did. Was she going to throw me in jail? Was she going to make me work my fingers to the bone? Was, was, was she going to forgive me? Would my parents forgive me? Would God forgive me? After all, those M&M's were stolen from his house. 
was all worked up. The next day, my mother drove us to Mrs. Juaniga's house, and she walked us to the front door. Then the rest was up to us. I remember my hand just shaking as I knocked it against that door. And I remember it seemed like a half an hour. I'm sure it was a couple seconds. But I just heard her moving around in there as she made her way to the door. And then the door creaked open and Mrs. Juaniga peeked through and she said, yes. (laughs) And my mom says, my son has something to say to you. I looked up at Mrs. Juaniga, who who stood nine feet tall. (laughs) I said, Miss Juaniga, I, I, Scotty found your M&Ms yesterday, (laughs) and, and uh, he thought it'd be a good idea if we ate them, and so we ate them, and um, I'm really sorry, and I know we shouldn't, and, and um, if you could And then she interrupted me, and she looked down at me. Her eyes glared, and she said, You like M&M's? Well, I do too. Come on in. And and she invited me and Scotty in, and she sat us down. And there on her table was the largest bowl of M&M's I'd ever seen. And she said, Sit here and eat these M&M's with me. And I looked at my mom, who was not happy. (laughs) Because this was not the lesson she wanted me to be learning. But she kind of gave that nod, like, yes, you can have M&M's. And so we were just sitting there eating M&M's. And Mrs. Juaniga was asking us about kindergarten and about preschool and was, was, was telling us about Jesus. And, and we were just having uh, the most wonderful time eating these M&M's. Now, I tell you that story because the day before was the day that I learned about sin. That I learned that I was a sinner. But that next day was the day that I learned about grace. From Mrs. Wangiga, I learned what grace was. Because we deserve to be thrown in prison for what we did. Because we're thieves. We deserve to, to work off our debt, to work our fingers to the bone. Mrs. Wangiga gives us M&M's. And God gives us grace. Gives us good things. I don't know a lot about seeds. Right? We've established that. I, I just, it's not my thing. But I know about M&M's and I know about Grace. And, and, and what I think I know about, about the seeds in this parable is this. There's a gardener. And the gardener plants the seed. And there is nothing the seed can do to make itself grow. There's nothing the seed can do. But the gardener 
make sure it has the right amount of sunlight. The gardener comes through and, and, and if, it, if it's dry and it needs rain and it hasn't rained, they water that seed, I think. And the gardener takes care of that seed and loves that seed. And the gardener never despises that seed for not being a tree yet. Because the gardener sees in that seed a promise of what could be, of what will be. And the gardener loves the seed. I'm not talking about a gardener. This is a metaphor. God loves us. God gives us grace. When we deserve to be locked up for what we did, God gives us M&Ms instead. We're going to talk about the transformation part tomorrow, about how, how we become something we weren't. How, how, how when we lean on Jesus and trust in what he did for us, that, that, that we are somehow transformed by that. But tonight, I just think it's enough for us to acknowledge that he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, even though we didn't deserve it. It had nothing to do with us. In the sixth chapter of Romans, Paul says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we still deserve to be locked up, while we still deserve the punishment that was coming our way, Christ died for us. That's grace. That's, that's Jesus doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The song we sang said, I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it. That reckless love of God, that's what I'm talking about. What Jesus did for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And we can be transformed just because we believe in that. So I have this great idea. Um, I don't want to do an invitation tonight because tonight isn't about what we do. We'll have, we'll have time for that tomorrow. I didn't want to do this... Um, uh, it tell you, you don't have to do anything and then say, everyone come forward, <laughs> right? I, but I, I did want to like sort of send you home with something to remind you that God did for you what you could not do for yourself. So I had this great idea. I'll get seeds, right? Because you'll look at those seeds and you'll remember the parable of the mustard seed and you'll be reminded that, 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 that Jesus did for you what you cannot do for yourself. And so I went to Walmart to get seeds and I realized I have no idea where the seeds are. I was looking around the baseball cards and I couldn't find them. So what I got for y'all is M&M's. And so, amen. Um, it is 
hot in here. So we're going to open those back doors and, uh, and the band's going to come and sing, uh, sing one last song. And, and, and they asked me what I wanted. And I don't know the new stuff. I knew 10,000 Reasons. And when I thought of 10,000 reasons, I thought of all those little things that God does to bring us to the moment where we can accept his grace. And so um, as, I, uh, as I pass out uh, these, uh, these seeds of grace here to take home and, and remind you, um, uh, the band's going to play uh, 10,000 Reasons.